This is the uh, Lawn and Garden Hour, and uh, I assume and hope that we have stations still uh, tuned in. And so let me give you the phone number, and let's see if that uh, if that uh, plays out. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour Live here on the 19th of February. Just to let you know that this is a live broadcast, and I am desperate and dateless right now looking for phone calls. Please call right now. I've been sitting here waiting for the uh, line to connect, and apparently we are connected now. So 888-256-1080, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. It uh, is a beautiful day across most of Texas. Another nice day, even better tomorrow. And then cold weather expected by midweek again. This is really a strange one. Much of our uh, much of our spring, early spring, late winter gardening activity has been kind of moved back by a a few days. And uh, so some of the things you normally would have been doing in late February, you may want to save until uh, maybe getting into early March. I had the opportunity this morning. Uh, I've told you before that. Uh, my wife and I, our family, uh, lives in McKinney, and we have the World Collection Park of Crepe Myrtles. And uh, Region 4 of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association turned out this morning to volunteer at the park. And uh, I left them uh, working so hard. I said, excuse me, I need to go do my radio program. And so about an hour ago, I left them all working laboriously and and just doing a beautiful job of cleaning up and replanting some things and just making the park look so much better. I said, I really hate to duck out and go do this, but radio calls. And so that's why I'm glad to be here with you. I'm glad we got the program on the air. Again, let me give you the phone number. And uh, I don't even know who my producer is today, so I'll find that out in a minute. And and uh, we'll find out if we have some calls. It's toll-free anywhere you can hear me. Uh, in, in, uh, the, in, in normal days, we have about 33 stations that carry the program, so hopefully we still have most of those in, in play. And uh, I'd like to hear from you. It's toll-free anywhere you can hear me, 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. We'll get the program underway in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Now in its fifth printing, this could be your go-to gardening reference. It covers all topics of outdoor gardening for all counties in Texas. I self-published this book, so it would be the book that I always wanted to have in the first place. I've done five books. This is the first one that I have self-published. I just decided I was tired of committee meetings with publishers. I was tired of watching my book in stores where I wouldn't be able to sign it. This one I can sign every copy. And I guarantee your satisfaction or a full refund if you aren't satisfied. 74,000 copies sold to date and not one request for a refund. But it's not in stores. It's not on Amazon. I'll tell you how to buy it in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit about the book. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar, four pages per month, telling you everything that needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and protected in that month. I've never put that in a book before. It's 344 pages, a hardback, 840 photographs, printed in San Antonio, not overseas, to keep fellow Texans employed. Chapters 3 through 11 cover trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, and fruit and vegetables. Now, the two ways you can buy the book 
It's $36.95 plus tax and postage, and you can buy it from my website, neilsperry.com, or you can call my office Monday through Friday. And that number, and that's business hours, 9 to 5, that number is 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. The better way, though, is to order it from the website at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L. S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Let me tell you about Mueller right now. At Mueller, they believe in value. Their Value Plus buildings are pre-engineered. They feature an easy-to-assemble, bolt-together design. Mueller's durable roofing panels are hail-resistant. They come backed by a 30-year limited paint warranty. But True Value never stops at just a quality product at a reasonable price. True Value in the, it comes in the service you receive during your purchase and in how a company stands behind their product after the sale. The people at Mueller understand that buying a steel building or a metal roof for your home, that can be a lifetime decision, and Mueller will provide assurance before, during, and for decades after your purchase. That's what value is all about. At Mueller, you simply get more. You get more for your money, you get more confidence in their company, and that gives you more value. Give Mueller a call, 877-2-MUELLER. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. Mueller. Mueller means more. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. That's Kelly Robinson. Again, the toll-free number is 888-256-1080. Lines are filled right now. Uh, Dylan Reed is running the boards for me, and this is uh, Dylan's first time to do so, so have a little have a little empathy for Dylan. Not an easy job. Our son Todd ran my, my program for me for several years, many years ago, and, and he said, Dad, have some compassion. This is not easy in here. And I said, I understand. So we're going to go to our first call today. I'm, I don't have the uh, topics in, in these cases. So when you call through to Dylan, let him know your city and let him know your topic. This is Stephen. Stephen, where are you calling from? Amarillo. All right. How can I help you? All right. So my wife and I have got a, a well-established homestead, but we're looking to buy and move to a new area where we would be building our house. And so it is at current, just flat prairie land, so to speak. And uh, we are uh, vegetable gardeners, or, or just uh, edible gardeners. And so we're looking to find out a way uh, to turn that into arable land as fast as possible. Of course, we compost and do all of that. But all of that will take some time to get set up and get ready to use. So what would be our best hope turnaround to being able to plant and garden successfully and what can we do to speed things up? Well, you have to be patient. Uh, I don't think that gardening um, is is necessarily for those who are um, uh, in a in a huge hurry, and most especially in Amarillo and and uh, in other areas that are number one dry, number two um, uh, challenged by climate and and beyond just the rainfall. And and you guys have a short growing season you have a, a tough growing season uh, you can be very successful but but be patient 
start small. Have you gardened before? Oh, yes. We have, we have uh, I don't know, seven or eight years of very successful homestead-style gardening, but we're just in, transferring in Amarillo. to a new area. In yes. the Amarillo area? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know the climate, you know what, how to cope with all that. All right, so the first thing you want to do then is, is work the soil up really well. And that may mean uh, bringing some other organic matter in that you have to buy, not just, uh, not just uh, create your own organic matter because you may not have enough to start with. Uh, if you can find a, a recycle center uh, where people bring yard waste and it's recycled, then that would be a good way to, to feel like you're not uh, just going out and and buying all kinds of things. Sometimes cities have that. I don't know about Amarillo. But when I prepare a vegetable garden uh, for, for planting, I want to work about four or five inches of organic matter into the soil, and I'll use a mix of several different kinds of organic matter. I want a kind of compost that is uh, is well decayed and unidentifiable. Okay, Dylan, if you can cancel that, that is going to give me pierced ears whether I want them or not. Thank you. Uh, Stephen, are you still there, or did that mean that he... I am, sir. Okay, am. good deal. Good. That helps. Um, you want to use compost that is unidentifiable. In other words, it's been in the compost pile long enough, whether it's your compost pile or somewhere else, uh, long enough that you can't tell what it was originally, that it was wood chips or whether it was uh, rotted manure or whatever it is. Okay, so that's one thing. I'll add an inch or two of compost. Uh, I will add an inch of rotted manure... And again, it needs to be unidentifiable. It needs to be well decayed. That's very important because otherwise it would rob the soil of nitrogen. Uh, I, I usually add an inch or two of sphagnum peat moss, and that adds a good bit of cost to it. And if you if you have good compost, that would be negotiable. But but I don't like to negotiate that one. I, I like what it does for the soil. And then the fourth thing that I add is finely ground pine bark mulch. Uh, where it's nickel and dime size pieces and closer to dime size, really small pieces of pine bark mulch. That's not as readily available where you are as it would be in the eastern uh, half of the state, but if you find it, then that would be great as well. And then if you have a clay soil that you're starting with, and this is for my listeners who are in clay soil areas, I will add one inch of expanded shale, S-H-A-L-E, and I rototill all that down about a foot deep. That gives you a soil that is immediately ready for planting, um, and and you can amend that then year after year after year with more and more of your own compost that you're generating on your own property, and so you, you buy less and less of the uh, uh, material from the garden center or the recycle center, wherever you get it. That's That's how I would do it, and then you need to... You need to time your plantings very carefully. I, I'm probably insulting your intelligence with that comment because if you've gardened uh, for more than two or three years, you know that things have a very narrow window of when you plant edible crops. Um, and, and, and so you time the, for example, the cabbage and broccoli and, and other coal crops and Irish potatoes to be planted about four or five weeks uh, before the average date of your last killing freeze. And leaf lettuce, you plant two or three weeks before that date and so forth. And those those really, you can't negotiate on those planting dates very much because if you delay them very much because it got really rainy or because you had a late freeze and it wiped out your crop, uh, you run into hot weather and, and the crops won't be as good. I hope that, I hope that 
answer to what you were asking. I hope I understood the question properly. It does. And as for your, your last comment there about planting timing, we have we found this really neat book called Lone Star Gardening that has a, a planting schedule. <laughs> Man, I worked on that part of that book so long. You got to check that book out. It's something else. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you noticed uh, that. And then I, I, I do have one a, a question about amendments that you recommended there. So single moss, I know, uh, lowers the pH to the acid side. And uh, what do you think of substituting sphangum moss for cocoa coir? Um, I, I personally prefer sphagnum moss, sphagnum peat. Um, and, and I'm talking about the brown in the bale type of peat, not the, not the black in the bag type. Um, and the cocoa fiber, um, just doesn't do much for me. A lot of growers use it, uh, in, in container gardening. Uh, and I have it in, in my containers because the potting soil that I buy through a grower friend of mine uh, features it, and I'm fine with it. But as far as amending my soil in my garden, I, I, you know what? Try some of both and, and see which works better for you. Potting soils are a very personal thing. It's like talking to a chef. You know, that's, try, try his or her recipe and try your own and, and see which one you like better. And that's kind of where I am on potting soils. On, on mixing soils. All right. Well, thank you very much. You have a great weekend. I hope I will. I hope you have a great one as well. Thanks for the call. That was a good one. All right, let me see where we are. I need to catch up on my time a little bit because we got the program started. Cassie, you'll be coming up next. Mark and Jeff, in that order. And uh, so I look forward to talking to each one of you. I'll do a quick version of my electronic newsletter. This is eGardens. comes out on Thursday nights. I enjoy writing eGardens. I get to write about my favorite hobby. Isn't that the greatest thing? And eGardens is exactly that. It's like an old-fashioned garden section where you had uh, stories written for your area by somebody in your area. And my area is Texas. This is written specifically for the great state of Texas. Five stories each week. One is a featured plant of the week. One is a featured question of the week, something I've been asked several times in that week. And one of them is gardening this weekend, where I point out things that you need to do in that week in your landscape or your garden or both. And then a couple of other stories on, of things that are pertinent for that, uh, for that week. That's Neil Sperry's eGardens. I think you'll like it, and I hope you'll subscribe to it. It's free and always will be free. You can't beat that. And you can always unsubscribe if you're not satisfied with it. No, no problem there. I will never spam you. I will never give or sell your email address to anybody. So that's pretty good. We have about 80,000 people who subscribe to Neil Sperry's eGardens. And when I say subscribe, yes, you have to sign up for it. And you do that at neilsperry.com. Same place you go to buy my book. That's N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on that eGardens tab. You can see the most recent issue of eGardens. And you can sign up on the same page. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. And we go right back to our phone lines. Let's go to Cassie in Quero. Cassie, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. I have about a 20 by 20 uh, piece, I'm sorry, That's piece okay. of uh, earth where my St. Augustine has stopped growing because it was in the shade. We uh, cut our um, 
oak trees, and now I'm getting sun in this area. And I would like to know what amendments, sorry, what amendments I could put down so that my St. Augustine has a good chance of, you know, clinging on to it. Because right now it's just bare. Uh, the chickens have been in it, you know, whatever. But I just want to make the St. Augustine, you know, feel comfortable coming into it. So what would I need to put down on it? Okay, I can help. Um, I, I do want to question you and, and, and to a gentle degree challenge you. You say you had your um, uh, oak trees cut. Did you have them removed oh. or did you have them trimmed no, and thinned? just trimmed. And I was getting, um, actually, they had grown up so much inside that they were not allowing light to come through. So now I'm having sunlight in an area that has been shaded and has just kind of gone down. And the chickens came in, scratched it up. And so now it's just a, a flat dirt. All right. And I'm, and I'm glad I asked. I'm, I'm glad I asked. And let me tell you why. A lot of times people have oaks and, and other trees, but especially oaks and especially live oaks because they spread. Uh, they'll have them thinned out. And I, I don't want to now keep you awake every night for the next six months. So that's not my goal with this comment. But a lot of times the live oaks will fill right back in again and, and, or the, the oaks. And so don't right. be surprised. And, and if, I think. Right, and and I understand, that, but I, because my yard, my yard is mostly shaded anyway. Um, I don't have like direct direct sun. Everything is filtered, but so my same uh, Augustine or I don't know if it's that or Tam Tam Flora, whatever it is, Flora Tam. Um, it uh, it 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 grows great, you know, and I fertilize it organically and and. Uh, keep everything picked up on it and i it just needs um to be able to grasp onto i think a better foundation than this all flat. right well let me let me answer your question let me also tell you that this is the most asked question i've had i've taken uh, probably four hundred fifty thousand questions on my radio programs in 45 years this is the one that comes up most often so i feel pretty well versed on it that's why i challenged you the Ooh. way i did um Good. The uh, the problem is that Saint and, and you're way south, and so that's to your advantage. Saint Augustine is the most shade tolerant grass that we have. Floritam is a selection of Saint Augustine, and it is only adapted way south where you are. It's it's cold, uh, uh, tender uh, when you get very far north. Um, you need you need several hours of direct sunlight for any of the St. Augustine varieties to do very well. And you'll know this spring pretty well whether you have enough sunlight after the trees get their new leaves and, and the and the St. Augustine starts to take off. You do not need to add soil amendments for St. Augustine to have a, a, a good chance of growing. You do not need to go in there and, and uh, start working up the soil like I described for the vegetable garden. It does not need right. heroic yeah. soil preparation. What I would do if it were my yard is I would, I would cut sod from somewhere else in my yard, maybe over along a fence or uh, around a flower bed or somewhere where I didn't need the grass, and I would cut squares that were six by six inches, and I would plug in the, the St. Augustine into the bare area, checkerboard it in. And That's I would watch good. it very carefully and see if it spreads. And if it spreads better, here's the here's the test. Here's the here's where you'll know. 
if it spreads better in the areas that are out at the peri- at the at the edge of of the shaded area out where there's more sun than it does mm-hmm. in closer to the trunks of the trees then you'll know that it is totally shade problem and 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 then you have to make a decision of whether you go to a shade tolerant ground cover but if it grows right. very well for you then you're all set but uh, you know that's a lot cheaper than going in with uh, solid sod and 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 going yeah. to the nursery and buying sod. That. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's what great. I would do. Not... And and the time to okay. do that in Quero would probably be late March, April, after it greens up and is really growing vigorously. Probably April would be okay. better than than March. All right. Well, I certainly appreciate it. I girl. love your program. Oh, I appreciate your call very, very much. Thank you. All right, let me see where we are time-wise. I need to get another break in. I I just We got a little late start on the program, so I'm running a little uh, behind. We have, uh, after Cassie, we'll have Jeff and Amarillo and Michael and Vernon, and I want to help both of you, so stay with me. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening covers everything about outdoor gardening for every county in Texas. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, I've worked a long time on it. And I spent a year of my life writing this book, 840 photographs. That's a lot of information just in the photos. It has more than 25 multi-page charts. That's a lot of information. When uh, Stephen mentioned a few minutes ago about uh, the the planting dates for vegetables, that's one of those multi-page charts to tell you exactly when to plant all the different crops in your part of Texas, how to figure when to plant any vegetable that you want to plant in the spring or the fall garden. Uh, this covers everything about flowers, uh, annuals and perennials, wildflowers even. It covers uh, uh, trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, and uh, also fruit and vegetables, lawns, and trees and shrubs. And then going backwards, it has Chapter 2, that calendar, 48-page calendar, of when to do everything. Now, 344 pages. That's a lot of information printed on high-quality paper in San Antonio. It's a hardback book, and yet it's only $36.95 because I didn't put it in stores and I didn't put it on Amazon. It's available only through my office or my website. And for that reason, because you don't get to look at it before you buy it, I guarantee your satisfaction. I thought, well, I better do that in case somebody doesn't like it. I need to give them a chance to get their money back. Not one person has asked for a refund. So here are the two ways you can buy it. You call my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW, G-R-O-W, 800-752-4769, but the better way is to order it right now at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have more after these messages. Right. Let's go back to the phone lines. We're going back to Amarillo. We're spending a lot of time in the northern parts of the Panhandle, and that's a good thing. Jeff, this is Neil. Good, Good morning. How can I help you? Hello, Jeff and Amarillo. Are you there? All right. I guess we are going back to the Panhandle. We're going to Vernon, <clears throat> which is not exactly the Panhandle. Close, but no banana. Michael, this is Neil. Good morning. Well, I'm 0 for 2 on those two. I wonder if there might be a technical problem connecting. So, Dylan, what do you think?
Okay, let's go back to Jeff and try Jeff again. Let's see. He can he can tell by looking at the phone dial if they're still connected. Jeff, this is Neil. You're on the air. Are you there? I wish I could help either of these guys by looking at the notes that they gave Dylan, but I can't. Uh, this was a yellow rust of some sort, and I can't can't. All right. I'll tell you what, let's get our last break out of the way, and we'll get another call screened. We have another one coming in. And, Michael and Vernon, I was looking forward to helping you with your crepe myrtle question. I don't know what it is, though, so I can't can't predict that. All right. Well, this is the way some days go, you know. Let me tell you about my uh, about my uh, website. It's neilsperry.com. You've heard me refer to it several times today because that's where you sign up for eGardens, my electronic newsletter. It's also where you buy my book. It's basically about the only place you can buy my book. You can call my office, of course, but it's easier and better all the way around if you order it from the website. And that's neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. So that's uh, what you find at my website. You also will find answers to my 1001 Frequently Asked Questions. That was another book I wrote. And uh, that publisher went out of business. <laughs> That's not a, if you're going to write a book and spend a year writing a book, you don't want to have your publisher go out of business. That is the reason that I decided to self-publish this latest book, Lone Star Gardening. So um, I would uh, very much like to have you go to neilsperry.com and take a look around. I think you'll find it to be very helpful. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Take a look. And... Uh, and uh, and enjoy it. Let me tell you about Mueller right now. When people think of Mueller, they think of quality steel buildings and durable metal roofing, but that name Mueller means so much more. Mueller, that name, means that you'll have a product manufactured by Mueller, including in-house engineers to help design the building of your dreams. And it means you'll have a company in business for 90 years standing behind your warranty. And it means you'll get tons of added value, like roofing site visits, forklift delivery, and a Mueller assurance team that's ready to help you along the way. And Mueller is on the cutting edge, designing and manufacturing new products like their greenhouses and standing seam roofing panels. To find out more about Mueller products, go to MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, or you can give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553, or stop by one of their 33 locations, MuellerInc.com, because Mueller means more. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. We have both of those callers back. They both have uh, made contact, and so we're ready to try it again. Let's go to Jeff in Amarillo. Jeff, this is Neil. Good morning. Uh, Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How can I help you? Yeah, I've got some evergreens. I've, I've never had an evergreen problem. I've got three in the backyard and two in the front. They're about maybe oval shaped about four foot in diameter and probably about 12 to 18 inches tall and the tops of them about a month and a half or two months ago started to turn a yellowish rustish rush rust color and it started to move downward to consume the whole plant and uh, the, the ones in the front are pretty well consumed with this and the ones in the back are i've got the top two or three inches of it 
that are this this color. The uh, a local nursery guy told me I'd have to wait till mid March to shave it off and then put some type of a three in one uh, product on them. He thought maybe it was either a bug or a, a disease. And my problem is now is I'm afraid I'm I'm going to lose these things, and I'm going to have to dig them out, pull them out, and put some new ones in. Is there anything I can do with this? Do you know what the plant is? It, I you know I've always called that type of plant an evergreen, but I I will tell you that I've seen some other bush type evergreen plants in, around town. They have the exact same problem, so I'm not the lone ranger on this. No, I understand that, but I need to know what kind of plant it is. Do you know what junipers look like? Uh, not really, no. All right. She, uh, yeah. I, I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but just for a moment, entertain this. You call a veterinarian, and they're going to need to know if it's a dog or a cat. You say, well, it's a small, yeah. uh, it's a small pet. Well, understand, but is it a dog or cat or a, or a, a miniature pig? What is it, you know? And because what attacks one evergreen, small evergreen, is not going to attack another one. Um, if it's a oh. juniper, uh, and and that's the most common of the small evergreens. Uh, then spider mites are a common problem on junipers. I'm going to give you an answer that is just a random answer that may not apply to your plant. But if you thump, um, I had this in my e-gardens about two weeks ago, uh, showing how to recognize uh, uh, spider mites on junipers. A thump, one of those uh, uh, branches that is turning yellow, not a brown branch, over a sheet of white paper and look at the tiniest specks on that piece of paper and see if they start to walk around and move. And if you see a bunch of them moving around, then you have spider mites on that, and that might be a juniper. My rec- my biggest recommendation, though, is that you take a sample of your plant uh, into a Texas-certified nursery professional, somebody who has gotten that level of uh, certification, and let him or her look at it and, first of all, identify the plant as to specifically what it is, and then secondly, see if they can identify what the problem is. I can't get there without knowing what the plant is. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, you know, I've always just called that type of well, plant I, an evergreen. And, I understand, and but I you've got to know the name. You've you yeah. got to have the name. So do that, and then yeah. call me back, and I'll sure try to help you. You're welcome to post a photo on my Facebook page. It seems to be working a lot of the time now. Facebook has done some odd things, but I'd be happy to try to help you there. But a Texas certified nursery professional is is really what you need to, uh, for the help. Uh, but but check okay. on junipers, uh, J U N I P E R, and look up spider mites and see if any of that applies. I'm going to try to run and, and help uh, Michael in Vernon. So thanks for the call, Michael. This is okay, Neil, and you, I have about a minute. Let me see if I can help you in Vernon. How can I help? Um, Dylan, do you have any idea what he wanted to know about his crepe myrtle? All right, a grow issue, and that could be, um, well, I, I don't know. Uh, let me just take a, a wild, I'd guess, that uh, hopefully he's not asking about topping the crepe myrtle because that certainly is not anything I would ever endorse. Uh, sometimes people ask, what do I do if I move into a house that has a crepe myrtle that's been topped? And in that case, my recommendation is always to go ahead and uh, prune the plants back completely to the ground and retrain them. We were doing some of that at the World Collection Park that I described earlier today. 
and uh, you let them regrow, and you'll have a beautiful crepe myrtle within a couple of years. It's amazing how quickly they come back. But don't ever top a crepe myrtle for any alleged reason. There's no no reason to do so. Folks, I've enjoyed this. I thank you for tuning in. Dylan Reed, thank you for doing your hard work. Until next week, folks, happy gardening.